Oh, stew, stew, stew. Up on his soapbox today. My gosh, couldn't get you to stop preaching to the choir. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, aren't soapbox and preach to the choir too, like mixing metaphors there a little bit? See, it's like this. <laughs> his righteous indignation, he claims. We talk a, we talk a lot about, um, oh, things, good and evil, good and evil. Maybe things we should be a little more righteous about, like, hey, I think you're grooming my kid in school. Maybe, maybe that's something we should discuss. Um, we also talk about uh, nuclear uh, fusion. We have the... We, we, we went through the Department of Energy's uh, big announcement. I don't think it means what they thought it meant uh, over the weekend. We talked to Jeff Brown about that future of energy and uh, so much more. So much more. Yeah, you have Chloe Cole on as well. Um, oh, and Sam Sorbo, who is... Sam Sorbo. She is, you know, she wasn't she like Xena, the warrior princess or something like that? She was one. One she. I, I don't. Role? I don't remember. Anyway, but, she yeah. she was some warrior in in uh, some movie and uh, Hercules. Wasn't it Hercules? Yeah, Hercules. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was in Hercules, and I have to tell you, I could I could see her standing there with one of those big huge swords while she was talking to me on the phone. She is a warrior for um, home learning, getting away from schools. You got to hear this. All on today's podcast. Wednesday night special, how the sexualization of our children is being normalized. This is the greatest evil that is going on in America. And if we turn our eyes away from this, we will be damned. We will be damned. Um, You cannot turn your eyes away from what is happening with our children. The scandal that uh, erupted recently about the ad campaign from the fashion uh, brand That put in a spotlight temporarily for this effort to sexualize our children in culture. It also exposed that many progressive elites just don't seem to think the trend is a problem. Media outlets like the New York Times are more concerned about the outrage against the the fashion brand coming from the right than they were about the fashion brand posing children with teddy bears dressed in sexual fetish attire and all of the reasons that happened. What alternative universe are we living in? Last summer, the state of Florida uh, filed a complaint against a Miami bar that offered drag shows to children, to children. This is a sick sick form of child abuse. You know, I can't imagine people who are transgender uh, like um, Caitlyn Jenner are for the drag shows for the kids. You, it's one thing to say, I identify as this, and another to violate the protection of children's innocence. That's, that's entirely different. Tonight, we're going to show you some of the groups and the motivations behind this evil. This is a do not miss the progressive roots of child grooming tonight at 9 p.m. 
live on Blaze TV or blazetv.com, Blaze TV YouTube. Don't miss it. You know, it's just Stu and I were just talking about, you know, the definition of love and um, and whether or not uh, Hunter Biden is loved by his dad. I say no, but Stu rightly pointed out the answer is yes. And I rightly pointed out the answer is no. (laughs) If you go on emotion, if you go on feelings, I think he does love his son. If you go on actions, I don't think he loves his son at all. You don't send your son into a boardroom with some of the biggest thugs if your son has a giant crack problem. You don't send him over with Russian thugs who run uh, escort services if your son is addicted to sex. And then every time he screws up, run interference for him every step of the way. You don't do it. You don't do it. That's not love. You know, I've come to this place um, because I think every parent gets to a place, usually in the teenage years, where you're like, you know what? The problem with parenting, the problem with having children, and this is true, is you never stop loving them. And man, I really would like to at times. I'd really like to go, you know what? Say ya. Hey, guess who's 18 today? Bye bye. But you don't. You never stop loving them. Never. And that why I say it that way is because you never stop hurting for them. Whether it's their mistakes or somebody's else uh, somebody else's mistake on them, you never stop worrying about it. You never stop hurting. But you also never stop the joy that comes from love that wants the best. And, you know, I've gotten to the point to where I've said to the Lord, you know what? These are your kids. I did the best I can. They're at the age now. They're yours. They're yours. And I can call you up from time to time. You know what's happening with your kid, God? And I realized I can't protect my kids from everything. Can't. And why should I try to do that? I mean, I should do my best, but I can't protect them from their own choices. They start to get in their teenage years. You know, God doesn't. He just kept saying, he keeps saying, don't do that. Don't, you know, no, don't do, don't do that. Hey, here's a path. Hey, look over here. But if they decide to do it and they walk in knowingly, He'll just wait until they come out of it. And he doesn't take away the consequence. You've got to have consequences. I'm I'm still as convinced that people who understand the 12 steps of AA will save the world. We we haven't even gotten to step one yet. We're, We're not even a nation that is willing to admit we're powerless over our problems. Lord, we've done everything. We've voted. We've got out and campaigned. We've given our time and our money, and we just can't change anything. Huh. It's almost as if you're powerless over this. It's almost as if your life is completely unmanageable. Maybe you can't turn it around because the problem has grown to be so massive. That's where you get when you re- when you reach bottom, you're like, okay, 
Okay, I've tried everything to fix it. I can't. I've tried everything to stop. I can't. Try, try with your kids. Take their phone away for a, uh, for a week. Oh, you want to talk about being powerless? They go crazy. They're addicted to it. The second step is just admitting that there's a power greater than you. No, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. Come on, Glenn. Yeah, I know. God, God, God. But what are we going to do? Yeah, I know. You're going to do a few things after you accept there is a problem. You're part of the problem. And you want to fix it. But you can't fix it by yourself because we haven't been listening to something else that's bigger than us. So you got to do those two things first. Then you have to say, I leave it in your hands. That doesn't mean the, the fourth step is not like, and then go watch TV. The, the first step, I got a problem. Second, there's a power bigger than me. Maybe they can restore all of this. The third step, I'm turning it over to him. Whatever comes, I'm going to accept. It'll be good. Fourth step, sit down, watch TV, do nothing. No! Now when now's when the work starts. Now is when you go, okay, what have I done that is contributing to this problem? What have I done? All of it, fearlessly. We haven't done that as a nation. We haven't done the first step. I know if you're like me, you just want your kids to be happy. You don't know how to fight all the stuff that's coming out of the schools. And they throw the word love at you. You just hate people. Why do you? Dad, I want to love people. And I love. Honey, there is no love without truth. There is no love without truth. You're dating somebody. He or she's a dirtbag. But you love them. That's not love. That's something else. Because love isn't wrapped around a lie. Sometimes, as only a parent and an adult can understand, Love sometimes hurts because love is its foundation is truth. When you really love somebody, it's because you really know who they are. And I don't mean like, yeah, I know she went to school. No, you know who they are at the core of their being. And the core of your being loves that, and they love you. That is love, and it is based on knowledge and truth. Dad, shut up. Why do you hate everybody? I just, you know, they. this is who they want to be. They want to be, they are a penguin. Mm. I have empathy for their need to somehow or another 
differentiate themselves from everything that's happening in society where everything's on volume 11. And they have to say, no, no, look at me. I'm a penguin. I, man, my heart crushes. She says she's a boy. She's 11. She is going through a time where all of her feelings are upside down and inside out. Her body is starting to become a woman. Guys, if you think that was a weird time for you, imagine bleeding all the time, too. No, thank you. Imagine everything that is said about women, how they are sexualized, how they are preyed upon, what boys want to do to them. Put yourself in an 11-year-old girl's shoes. That's terrifying. Terrifying. Having a baby, nobody ever says, no, nobody ever says, oh my gosh, having a baby is the most beautiful, wonderful, miraculous thing ever, period, and leaves it alone. They also say, it's excruciating. It's like peeing a telephone pole. Okay? Now, hey. Start changing. Become a woman. Have a baby soon. No, thank you. Social media is controlling them. And we are not putting life into perspective for them. The most beautiful thing that can ever happen is for you or your wife to have a baby. It is a miracle. And that is true. But what is also true, the truth will make you miserable at first. The baby comes out, well, usually the baby comes out quietly. But there's a lot of screaming at the same time. Sometimes the truth hurts. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, we are all in a very interesting place. Most of us don't know what to do as parents. We don't know what to say when our kids come home with all of this stuff. And we're like, I, I, uh, uh. it's great in theory. And we can talk about it, you know, as adults. But when it comes to coming into our own home and we're dealing with our kids, we, I don't know about you, but I, I do. And I talk about this stuff all the time. And I have a hard time going, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because <laughs> it's one thing, it's in theory, it's about kids. It's another when it's like, oh, crap, that's my kid talking to me. Uh, and uh, and we just we just need to help each other out. One of the things that you could do is um, get your kids out of school. I highly recommend it. Um but that is that's not for everybody. But more of us should be considering that if you can. Um, it's really hard work. Somebody who's really leading this, an education freedom advocate, host of Schools Out, is Sam Sorbo. Sam, hi, welcome. 
Thank you so much for having me. And I, it, it, it pains me, Glenn, to hear you say how hard home education is because it actually is one of the easiest things that you can do. And the reason that we think that it's so hard is because the educators, and I put that, uh, I put that word in air quotes, the educators taught us how hard it is. Well, that's nice because that's job security for them, but it's a lie. Okay, well, hang on just a second. Sam, I, I homeschooled my own kids uh, along with my wife. Um, and it's, you know, the difference is, uh, first of all, like I could help them with history, like nobody's business. I could help them with things like that. Math was extremely difficult. Luckily, you know, my wife was a business major and she she can do math uh, and help. It, so it is, uh, it was, it was difficult because it's not how we grew up thinking that that was something we had to do on top of our job, but we should look at it the opposite way. That is our job and everything else we do is secondary. Oh, okay. I like that. And I would also add to that, that you were schooling your children to the standards of the education system. And the education system that we have in the United States has made those standards almost impossible to reach now. And just yeah. look at what they're doing I as know. proof of how they don't know really what education really is. And that's, so that's, that's what my mission has been, is to, is to help parents kind of recalibrate and redefine what we mean by education, because it's clearly not what they're doing in school. It clearly is. Why isn't. are we doing anything I, that the schools have taught us? One hundred percent. Here's the here's the problem, and this is a problem with the whole country on even the Constitution. We say we want to be free, but we don't even understand. There is no institutional knowledge remaining on what freedom means, what the Bill of Rights means, because we haven't taught it for so long. So really. 30 years ago, only weirdos were, you know, supposedly, you know, homeschooling. Remember? I mean, that's the way it was. You were yeah. like, oh, wow, yeah. that's your your child's going to be socially retarded. That No, your child turned out great. And uh, everybody else is is uh, is aiming so low. Um, however, there's no institutional knowledge. So what what is it that you give to people who say, OK, I can't take the school anymore, but I I don't know if I can do this. What, how can you equip yeah. parents? Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I give them confidence. I've written a book called The Playbook for Home Learning, and it's a, a series of 15 videos that live online. It's a subscription. And actually, for your listeners, I'm offering a 50% discount because this is so important to me to put it in the hands of parents to free them. I, it's an emancipation project. We are enslaved by our schools, and that is completely inappropriate. And it's just, it's wrongheaded. And if you look at, you know, we started this conversation with the idea that the schools are now teaching our children uh, absolute nonsense, right? So why are we even looking to them for the definition of education when they clearly don't know what that should be? And the freedom model really teaches the parent that education, look, you won't learn anything that you don't specifically purpose to teach yourself. OK, mm -hmm. even children purpose to teach themselves things, sometimes things we don't want them to learn, but certainly things that they want to know, because, look, every child is invested with curiosity. Right. The schools actually the school's job now is to kill that curiosity, yes. to tell the child, no, 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 you will learn this. You will learn math at 10 a.m. You will learn history at 11 a.m. And you will learn lies about your gender at noon. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just wrongheaded. 
if you set the child free, you give them some of the tools of learning, like you teach the child how to read and any adult can teach a child how to read. Um, you teach the child how to do basic math, right? Then you set the child free without having killed the curiosity within the child. The child will then teach himself everything that he really needs to learn. And your job as the parent is to guide the child into becoming not the best student that he can become, but the best adult that he can be, become in the world, right? And so that goes into civics and civic engagement and charitable acts. And all of the things that make a good human being, not the things that our school teaches us. Our schools teach us college prep and career readiness. Mm -hmm. College prep and career readiness, right? Well, what is that? Well, that just means that your child's self-worth should be tied to the almighty dollar. And that's wrong. Because when we grow up to be 60, 60 years old and we're looking at end of life and we've been deprived of any spiritual any spirituality, because the schools tell us, no, spirituality is poppycock. It's nonsense. Don't concentrate on religion. Religion is bad, right? It tells us, no, your self-worth is how much money you've earned. So a 60-year-old looking at the end of life, because let's face it, 60 years old, you're, you're on the way down, right? Now, wait a minute. You're I'm turning 60. Going, <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right? But you're looking at that and you're going, what's my yes. life worth? Yes. Maybe you've grabbed the brass ring. Maybe you haven't, right? And then you're just disgruntled and you're like, well, of course I'm, of course I'm sad. Of course I'm lost. I didn't get the money, right? But if you did get the money, you're still looking at, at end of life. And you're going, oh my gosh, why am I not happy? And that's when you go on the drugs or you, you get a, a Ferrari or you trade in the wife or you get a better looking pool boy, right? But that's not the answer. And we all know it. We all know these things intrinsically. We've been lied to our whole lives by a system that we call education, but it's not education. It's a, it's a school system. It's schooling and it's not education. And so if we take a step back and we start to really think about what do we mean by education, the education of our child, then it starts to become easier than you ever imagined and actually better than you ever dreamed it could be, because then we're talking about relationship. So when people look at me, when I, when I had my three teenagers and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, three teenagers, how do you manage? And I'd be, I'd be like, I don't know what you mean. My relationship with my teens is amazing. Yeah. Teenage rebellion doesn't exist mm. in this paradigm. Mm. I have a great relationship <laughs> with my, my kids, but teenagers still, a little bit. there's times. Um, uh, Sam, um, I noticed that you say it's not homeschooling, it's home learning. I love that, and I know that's for a reason. Tell me what the reason was. Well, because I want to get away from school, because school is child abuse. School is child abuse. The first thing a child learns when the child goes to school, what do you have to do when you want to ask a question? Raise your hand. You have to raise your hand, okay? That's a barrier to entry. That's, you have to perform a task, a menial task at that, to ask permission to learn. That is anti-education. Learning is available to all, any time, any time they choose to avail themselves of it. But this paradigm, the teaching school paradigm, is no, you have to ask permission in order to access information. And of course, now we have the internet, so we know that that's a lie, but we still submit our children to that terrible, terrible lie the first day of school. Yeah. It's anti-child, it's anti-education, it's anti-God. It's, it's just, it's, it's anti-education. Right? So the first thing the child learns is, don't ask. That's the first thing a child learns. Then they learn not to fail because failure is bad. Ask any entrepreneur 
their secret to success. And they will say, well, I failed a lot, right? But I got back up and I kept trying. But in school, you're taught no failure's bad. So that lesson is don't try. So the schools teach us don't ask, don't try. And then the final lesson that every kid wants to know, right, is what's going to be on the exam? Will this be on the exam? Because I don't want to have to learn anything that I don't need to know for the exam because education is all about checking the box. Right. That's a lie. Okay. So that's don't think. So the, the lessons from our school system, and this is schooling, is don't ask, don't try, don't think. That's anti-education. It's anti-child. And so why are we subjecting ourselves to this, to the, to the system, to the institution? And people say, but Sam, you know, kids have to raise their hands in school because otherwise it would be chaos. It would be mayhem in the classroom. And my answer is, well, that's your problem. Because when you assemble a group of children like that, that's anti-child, it's anti-individual, right? We're teaching children to conform, that's anti-American, right? (laughs) We're individuals, we're a nation of individuals. The whole system is wrong. And so my mission is to set parents free. It's it's an emancipation mission, it's anti-slavery, right? It's to set parents free. And by the way, we have the examples. Uh, Bill Gates didn't graduate college, Zuckerberg didn't graduate college. You know what I mean? Like we have all these examples, but we think somehow they're the anomalies. They're the anomalies because they stepped outside the system. I have outside to, the system I, is joyful out here. I have to tell you, I, uh, uh, my son really doesn't want to go to college yet. Yet He's like, I, I, don't, I don't. And uh, <laughs> I'm cool with that, but I feel so awkward around other parents. Other parents like, he hasn't applied for college. And I'm like, nope, nope. Uh, he, he needs to go Own to, it. I do, but it's weird. He thinks, it's weird. Well, okay. It's weird because your paradigm was you went to school. No, My I didn't. My paradigm was I went to school. We, we, you didn't go to school. I didn't, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college. I didn't. And that's why I believe, yeah, that's went, why. Yeah, but you had 12 years of indoctrination. Yes, 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 yes. College was the answer, yeah. right? But college and the indoctrination system of our schooling now is, is you know, it's, it's like the conveyor belt, right? Yeah. So we're teaching children how to build Ford Model Ts for, a, for a, I mean, let's face it, our economy has shifted tremendously. So half the jobs that the kids are going to be eligible for today have not been created yet. And yet we're still educating them as if they're going to work on a Model T right. uh, assembly line. Right. Okay. So children who don't want to go to college well, first of all, the question isn't what college. The question really ought to be whether college, right? Yes. Why college? Well, if you don't know why you're going to college, why are you spending that money? Amen. Amen. Sam, uh, can we get your, your classes uh, at samsorbo.com or where do you find? Everything, everything is at samsorbo.com. If you click on the, the, the banner at the top for the discount, It'll give you the discount. I run a, a, an organization called Underground Education because I, I feel like we're emancipating people yeah. from this system. And so it's Underground Education. You can actually join the platform for free to continue the discussion. And then the academy is where the, uh, where the videos live for the playbook. And um, that's, that's just an online resource that's a subscription model. So right. um, Everything's available at samsorbo.com. And I really appreciate you having this conversation, Glenn. You bet, Sam. This is the most important conversation in the nation right Uh, now because uh, it's the only way we're going to save the country. Our children, uh, their education, and their safety is uh, is really paramount right now. Thank you so much. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. 
Sheila Gunn-Reed, she's the chief reporter and editor-in-chief of Rebel News, uh, mother of three, conservative activist and author of best-selling books, including uh, Shop Notally. Uh, Sheila is here. She has been really uh, watching what is called MADE, um, Medical Assistance in Death, and how Canada is, last year, killed 10,000 people. 10,000 people in assisted suicide, and they are expanding it to children and those who are depressed. It is terrifying. Sheila, welcome. Glenn, thanks for having me on the show, and thanks for your interest in this. Now, you say 10,000, but we can't be sure of those numbers for a couple of different reasons. One of the reasons is that doctors are now in Canada under advisement from certain medical associations to obscure the numbers by listing the cause of death as the reason the person sought made, as we call it in Canada, medical assistance in dying, instead of the actual medical homicide at the hands of the state. But also, those, that 10,000 number, those are people who asked for medical homicide in writing. But in Canada, you don't have to ask in writing. You don't have to wait 10 days the way we used to have to wait. You can just ask for it, it, for it and get it on the very same day now. You know, we've always um, looked at ourselves as brothers and sisters. I mean, you know, after we got over 1812. Um, and we have so much in common with Canada. And we are really sick down here. And I know this is uh, in our future. But I, I just have such a hard time accepting that Canadians are okay with all of this. You know, this really is the end stage of socialized medicine. The government is creating the suffering for so many of these people in Canada through their own ineptitude. But instead of doing a better job of alleviating people's suffering, they tell us it's our civic duty to drop dead and get out of a health care lineup. In Canada, the standard of care for Knee replacement surgery is 182 days. If you get a knee surgery within six months, it's a miracle in our healthcare system. However, you can seek medical assistance in dying for the chronic pain you have because of your knee on the very same day you ask for it. Because in Canada, you don't have to be terminally ill. Wow. You just have to be chronically ill and dissatisfied with the level of care that you're receiving. Over the past two years, it's really been horrendous here in Canada. We had a 91-year-old lady who was in the news in Vancouver because she sought medical assistance in dying because she didn't want to go back into COVID lockdown in her nursing home. Young people with diabetes or eating disorders seeking medical assistance in dying. People who are dissatisfied with the government-subsidized housing that they're receiving saying, you know what, I don't want to be homeless, so I, I, I have a chronic illness, and so I'm going to seek medical assistance in dying. We've got at least four angels of death, I call them, running amok in the Veterans Affairs, telling up to nine veterans that are on the record that instead of, you know, helping them with whatever acute issue they're calling Veterans Affairs about, they're suggesting to them that perhaps because you're in such chronic pain, you're experiencing acute PTSD, wouldn't it just be better for everybody involved if you dropped dead? 
Um, Sheila, it is, I mean, I'm sure you have done the research on what happened in the Netherlands and Germany. This is exactly how it started um, the last time we had a Holocaust. And people just uh, took their, uh, their love and compassion and instead put it into the end of suffering in, and sided with the doctors and nurses who led the, uh, the Holocaust, led it, the nurses and the doctors, not the guys in uniforms, the nurses and the doctors. Um, it is terrifying. Now, is this happening because of shortages of care or is this something else? What is this? Where is it coming from? I think it's a combination of both. But like I said, the the current state of Canadian healthcare is just prolonged suffering. But until you get to see a doctor, until you get to see a specialist, until you get to see somebody who will give you the surgery that you need. Okay, so but hang on. I grew up off just, you know, a few miles off the border of Canada, and I know, you know, medical tourism in America, because you just couldn't get anything done. That's been that way for a long time. You know, I right. one of my best friends, their their brother died in Canada because by the time they got back for his cancer treatment, it was done. He was dead. Sure, absolutely. But there are more people in Canada than ever. We have, like so many people in the Western world, an aging population that is not replacing itself. And so, like I said, it, it has become our civic duty to get out of that healthcare lineup by pursuing medical assistance and dying. But this is also, I think, some of that useless eater mentality where, you know, we, in Canada and I think in much of the Western world, we don't value people once they are not, as they say, active contributing members of society. And it really has been a culture of death since 2016. All these changes in the Canadian healthcare system have happened with regard to medical assistance and dying. It was only legalized then. And like with abortion, they said it's going to be rare. It's only going to be in the most dire of cases. But now we have doctors offering it to just about anybody. 10,000 Canadians in a year. Those are approaching our died with COVID death numbers. It, it's becoming completely normalized. This is one of the leading causes of death in Canada. That is crazy. Um, so it's being open now to teenagers, children. How far is this going? Teenagers, children, people who will, who are experiencing acute mental health crises, instead of offering them care, they can seek medical assistance in dying on the very same day that they're experiencing that acute mental health crisis without any kind of therapy. So in other words, I have a, I have a son or daughter, a suicidal, I bring them to the hospital mm -hmm. and uh, the hospital can say to them, you know, if you would like help, is your life worth living? Do you, you know, whatever their questions are. And they, they, they can offer my son or daughter a way out. They can mildly suggest it. And if, you know, your son or daughter asks for it and you are agreeable, they can receive it. We've seen doctors testify at parliamentary committee hearings that they would like this to be an option for parents of sick babies. 
which in a normal society, that's called infanticide. But in Canada, it's called compassion. I, I mean, it's absolutely appalling. March, just a few short months from now, mental illness that, as we know, just ebbs and flows. But that can be a reason that you can pursue medical assistance in dying in Canada. And, you know, there are so many people, especially um, through my contacts in the veterans community, because this whole issue is hitting them very hard. I bet. Um, there are so many of them who say, you know, I call Veterans Affairs for help. I'm experiencing this thing. Some of them have even said to me, look, I, I did try to do something to myself, but it, it came and went so fast. And what if I got the wrong person on the end of the line at Veterans Affairs? What would have become of me then? My gosh. This is terrifying, Sheila. Um, I want to uh, I want to make you aware. Have you ever heard of the movie The Black Stork? No. Nobody has. Um, we have one of the only copies in our in our vault at, at uh, my studios. Um, it was made in eighteen or nineteen seventeen or something. It was put out at the same time. You know, eugenics were were pushing death, and in one of the scenes, it's all about parents that have children who are sick, and the doctors and the nurses kill the children out of compassion. And in one ch- in one scene, it shows Jesus appearing at the cradle of the baby, encouraging the doctor and nurse to kill the child. It is one of the most horrifying things you've ever seen. Obviously, they got rid of all of the copies. There's only two copies left now. One is, I think, in South Carolina in a vault of a, of a uh, university. And the other one is is here. I'm going to send it to you. You you need to see it. It, it because we're going through this again. We are going through exactly the same kind of stuff. And that led us to the Holocaust. And they're making the same kind of arguments again. In 2017, our state broadcaster here in Canada, the CBC, hmm. they published an article without any irony whatsoever saying that medical assistance in dying would be a net benefit to all of us because it would save $138 million oh annually from the Canadian healthcare system. These are people who need help. They don't need homicide. They need better care. They need better options. They need people, bureaucrats who are paid to help them, helping them when they call Veterans Affairs on the other end of the line. Medical assistance in dying might make a lot of doctors and bureaucrats' lives a little easier, but it is robbing Canada of good people who deserve help and who are contributing to our society, maybe not in financial ways, but because they are valuable people created in the image of the divine. Oh, Sheila, we need more people like you in the world. Um, well, what was, uh, Stu, what was the name of the baby? Baby Nos? Knock? Nower? Yeah, baby Nower, I think. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? Because we have all the history on that, too, we could send to you. Um, it is a baby now or look, look at him up. It is the, um, case of a blind, deaf and somewhat, I can't remember disabled child in some way. And, and Hitler sent his personal physician, uh, to examine this baby, to see if it wouldn't be better for the parents, for society and for the child, if they just euthanize. And that was that was the moment that you're going through right now, where they're making exactly the same case. 
And people have to know the history. You have to know. This is a lie with new suits telling you. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, Glenn. It's funny that you mentioned that scene about Jesus in the black stork, because right now, this is being packaged up by some of the more progressive churches here in Canada. If if you can call them that, the United Church of Canada, I think, is more of a self-help group with a crucifix in the background. But they have on their website right now, if you go to unitedchurch.ca, they have a worship theme on death and dying, and they offer a prayer to those experiencing, you know, medical assistance in dying, not to say to them that your life is worth living, but that this is an act of compassion, and we should support these people, and this is what Jesus would offer them. Oh, my gosh. Sheila, please stay in touch with me, will you? Um, I will. Uh, and we will get those um, things up to you. I, I have so much respect for you and for everybody at Rebel News. You're doing God's work up there. Thank you so much. Na, na, na.